I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. It's the A to Z of festivals with Rob DeBank. It's a gloomy October day, pinch punch first of the month and all that, and it's kind of raining outside. So we thought, what better way to brighten up our day than to talk about Arcadia? And we welcome Bertie. How you doing, Bertie? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. guys um your partner uh, pip and you guys you know you set up arcadia um how, how long ago was that now it was in 2007 2008 it was born okay and when did we first meet you at festival i think we came in 2010 okay. 2009 2010 yeah it was early days <laughs> I, I was going to google it on the way up but i thought you know sometimes it's nice just to be educated on what, what was actually happening but but yeah I mean um, you know that was so a couple of years into into the formation of Arcadia we wanted to do something brave at, at our festival and you guys were doing some pretty pretty outstanding stuff so I mean for anyone that's just tuned in and you know they're thinking Arcadia Arcadia it kind of kind of rings a bell um, think of you know Glastonbury think of the most mad spider looking um, fire invention ever with Carl Cox or Fatboy Slim on the decks think of this year with Pangea yeah. um, with a huge kind of crane looking um, animal with yeah again fire and video screens and you know every every DJ worth their salt playing on it um, Lords of Lightning um, yeah, anything to do with kind of heavy machinery, metal, grease and dirt, that's you guys, isn't it? <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So what, what is the sort of um, Arcadia philosophy? We basically love pushing the boundaries and we love creating moments where people feel joy in, in some way or form and use, you know, art, engineering science, sculpture, all these different things at our disposal to sort of boil them together into experiential moments and uh, yeah that's what really drives us and the the things that the, the how we do it is almost like second to that. Um, we also love working in 
recycled materials. We love working in 360 degree in the round environments and uh, it's kind of like um, creating that sort of dancing round a fire moment on a massive scale with some mental bits of machinery and some crazy, crazy science and that's kind of, yeah, that's our world. Yeah, amazing. And you, yeah, I mean, you have created some of the most magical moments at some of the UK's best festies. So yeah, I mean, Boomtown, Glastonbury, our own little show. So we'll, we'll get we'll get back into that in a minute. But I wanted to talk to you about um, your kind of first festival experience, and so not necessarily with Arcadia, but you know, I always ask people on this on this podcast what the you know what's the magic of festivals for you. What what is it that first got you into that? When, when did you get the bug? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I um, I think my first proper sort of really memorable experience was in 1990 so I was 10 and my dad came to my school sort of unannounced even to me and and just sort of said right we're going to Glastonbury really at the age of 10 yeah I remember (laughs) him um I didn't really have a sort of conventional upbringing uh, to say and uh, I remember him having a sort of argument with the headmaster and a sort of door slamming and, and him sort of saying you know it's educational and us just sort of getting in the car and going and um, I don't well, know, literally quite, from he literally from picked you up and took you straight to Glastonbury yeah, in yeah. school shorts. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was quite mad. He had some blag of, of getting in, and we and we got in, and um, yeah, he he gave me like a, a ten pound note, uh, which at the time was quite a good amount of money, and like an army sleeping bag, and was like, look, this is where we are, but you know, just like you know, you can kind of do your thing really, and uh, yeah, it was it was insane, really looking at it now, what what that was, but I was able to kind of wander around and experience this world which I had never seen or even knew existed and uh, explore it and um, the rave scene was just kind of kicking off so there were like you know rave rigs everywhere there was like the KLF there was some really big things going on there that when I look back now it was kind of the beginnings of some really amazing things that you know I'm still part of now and um, there was this mad avant-garde circus called Archaos. You might have heard of them, but they kind of like came out of France and mm. they were they took circus and turned it into something completely different where they were blowing things up and juggling with chainsaws and things like that. And um, I saw them do their show on the main stage, on the pyramid stage. And that was when it was a sort of corrugated iron structure and they had these two cars on the top of it and at the beginning of their show they blew those up and they slid down the stage into these big pits and all this sort of fireworks went off and stuff and it just blew my mind. It just stretched my horizons from being, you know, a school kid that had seen a few things to being like, wow, there's a whole parallel universe out here that's going on. And um, I think from then on, it kind of like stuck in me as a thing that I um, was drawn to magnetically. And I realised that there was a whole thing to, to interact with and get involved with. And, and that was the beginning for me, actually. That's, that's so incredible that your dad took you there as a 10-year-old. You saw our chaos and that whole Joe Rush, Mutoid Waste kind of wonderland of twisted bits of rusty metal and, and here you are now doing that yourself it's lovely. yeah it feels feels great it feels great and i'm very very grateful for for obviously my dad for having that sort of um, well done dad impulse and just going for it no matter what and um yeah obviously glastonbury for us is a huge part of our whole sphere it really is kind of home for us and um yeah just the opportunities and the the way its moral compass works and 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 all the different amazing magical things that come out of it i'm just yeah i'm truly grateful for it i'm i'm yeah i'm sort of sitting here because this is the first year um this year was the first year that we took our kids and um we took the 13 
eleven and nine year olds and uh have to say embarrassingly we stayed in an Airbnb because we just weren't sure if um obviously they love camping they stay at our festivals but it was just like we just wanted to take it a bit gently with them so I feel like a complete fraud seeing as your dad took you there with the tenor and uh <laughs> army sleeping bag did, you, did it feel safe I mean did you know what you were did. did you know where you were it and did. what you were I, doing I knew so. where I could go to find them but just the ability to sort of explore something of that scale on your own is also quite magical because you completely find your own way um, but I think for kids to get involved in festivals like that that have got such a history and such an amazing kind of cultural melting pot I think is is a hugely educational thing actually yeah our kids um, didn't want to leave and I will never be allowed to go on my own ever again which is where (laughs) I've sort of dug my own grave because it's like dad dad when's Glastonbury next year it's like yeah all right you know that's what me and mum do that's like our time off (laughs) that's that's really cool yeah my littlest boy Jimmy thinks that Glastonbury is like always there yeah, yeah. So we're sort of driving That's down the dream. Somerset and he's like, "Can we go to Glastonbury?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Was well, it's not there?" And he's like, well, "What do you what do you mean?" You know, and it's, it's he thinks it's there existing all the time. It's not just there for a weekend. It's, yeah, uh, that's too much for any, by anyone's standards, <laughs> especially Michael's. Um, okay, cool. So that was your kind of first festival experience, and then, I mean, like you said, we we met you a couple of years into this this um you know philosophy and this way of living and this kind of business that you built up <clears throat> which is pretty it's pretty anarchic isn't it and kind of you know it, it goes against the grain of a lot of stuff because it's a very you know kind of a um industrial looking thing that you guys do and no one else was really doing that since the sort of our chaos or mutoid waste thing so how, how did you i mean did you guys just build something small to start with and think right let's build a flamethrower and then it suddenly turned into the spider or yeah absolutely i think like all good things that sort of start small it, it's an evolutionary journey and i think we had both been on our own different journeys into festivals, parties, all these different things and um, I've been putting up massive structures around the world for you know concerts and theatre shows and all this sort of stuff and Pip had been off working with Joe, his brother, building mad sculptures and, and taking those around and we kind of, we'd actually known each other as kids and um, we kind of came back together and we bumped into each other at a festival in Spain and really sort of around a campfire we both kind of uh, kind of identified that there was something we felt that was really missing from festival environments and although there was a you know big focus on bands and things in terms of like experiential immersive kind of visual things where all the, the different elements are tied together into a into an atmosphere we realized that that wasn't really happening and um, we kind of set out with a sort of basic concept from that point and a sort of pile of interesting scrap that we found and a mate's cow shed and things that we sort of blagged and borrowed and pulled it together and, and, and drove it forwards with, with passion and um, yeah we built the the first thing that we built was the afterburner which is you know still some one of our things we've got now and um, we had no idea that it would have the magnetism that it had and we took it to Glastonbury, Joe and Michael took, took us on and gave us the opportunity on the strength of a painting of it kind of thing, it's literally all we have, we didn't have any designs or anything like that, we were completely punching above our weight in that sense but we were really driven by our hearts and um, we took this thing there and, and set it up and um, 
we had no idea what it was going to do when we switched it on. We kind of thought it might be like a sort of chill out area where people really? came and sat and enjoyed <laughs> it. And um, we, we switched it on and put a little sound system on it and stuff. And it was kind of like when you switch a light on in the night and all these moths kind of like flood towards it. And it was like before we knew it, there were thousands of people like raving and immersed in this thing and climbing on it and all around it and all of the sort of synchronicity of the lights and the fire and stuff was really magical and the sound system we had was far too small and then we dug this trench across the field to a bigger sound system that was for another installation that wasn't being used at night and we got that going and then we had this whole field kind of like dancing to the beat with this thing we built in the center of it and I feel like that was the sort of point where within the alchemy all of the different elements came together and forged something that that was to be what arcadia was going forwards and uh, yeah i'm really sort of grateful for those like humble beginnings of of those times because we would have only achieved it if we'd have truly believed in it and uh, i think belief is a really powerful thing in in that hallelujah yeah absolutely and uh, so it's beautiful that it's, you sort of made it up as it it kind of made itself up as as you went along. You d- you didn't take a fully formed um, concept in there. I, l- I love the fact that you thought it's going to be a chill out area, and it's now probably you know one of the best, biggest sort of you know celebrations of electronic music and dance music a- a- around the world. So uh, yeah, with t- its humble beginnings as a as a chill out space. So I was I was looking this morning. Obviously, we we had um, the afterburner a few years at um, a best so I know the structure really well, but the just without getting too nerdy, but the the technical stuff like the spider's eyes and a Nimbus spy uh, spy plane jets is that right? Yeah, yeah. And then the the grabbers are, are sort of log grabbers that you yeah. use in a sort of industrial woods and stuff. And it's all repurposed stuff, um, and we get a real kick out of that. And particularly using stuff that's come from military backgrounds, of which we we use a lot of. And uh, you know, essentially, those things have been made with a really negative intent. And you know, quite often they've been made with like the taxpayers' money, and it's quite a—it's not a very nice thing actually. And to take that and repurpose it into into a, a machine that's designed to give people mass moments of joy <laughs> for us gives us a real kick. And um, yeah, all that sort of scrapyard hunting and digging around and finding things that really helps shape the the things we make themselves and it resonates in a very different way than something that was built out of set or you know something yeah. that was kind of more contrived I suppose so we rummage through the scrap piles with a with a concept and then we find all this amazing stuff and then we work out how to create a, you know a structure a sculpture a thing that technically is safe and works and then add hang and doesn't kill people yeah. Or, or, yeah I love that I love that concept and I mean you say you dig around in scrapyards I mean I'm, I'm no expert on scrapyards, but I don't think you can go into your sort of normal bog standard scrapyard and find like a, a Nimbus uh, spy plane or, or or the sort of massive customs um, thing that you've transformed into the DJ booth. Like, what, you know, is there like a dark web of this sort of stuff? Like, where where do you find it? Is there like a this is sort of dark, not a dark web, but like a network, I suppose, of that kind of thing where that stuff has to get disposed of at some points, and it's actually getting harder. For us, I feel like we sort of exhausted the UK's resources quite quickly. Really? Sort of afterburner, bug, spider, we kind of, you know, we had a real heyday with it. And um, we've actually started to look a little bit further afield now. So we've been, you know, over to like India to where they cut up those big ships on the beaches. And uh, we were scouting in Russia recently to see if we could find some things for Glastonbury and actually 
yeah, I found like a, a space shuttle, an old Soviet space shuttle, <laughs> really? on an airfield in um, Russia near Moscow, and we were like, "Wow, this is this is amazing!" And we started started investigating how we might kind of procure it, and uh, yeah, we were kind of told in the end that you know if we went there and started trying to to buy it, we'd be arrested as spies, and when all that poisoning stuff was going on and things like that, <laughs> yeah. so we were sort of told to f off, you know, quite politely by it. But um, yeah, it's really interesting the sort of the different people that you meet and the different stories and the different places that you kind of get to go to try and find so, you know what what someone might call scrap but for us that's a bit real building blocks of, of what we do yeah so it's like a sort of treasure hunt where you're going around the world trying to find these amazing uh, and and w- when you sort of go to those places are you just sort of you know how, how do you if, you if you find something how do you get it back you just on a transporter plane or yeah that's a really big challenge and that's when we started looking further afield for things we realized that there was a limitation to the scale of what we could actually physically bring back to the UK and um, with the Pangea project we actually almost realized that we couldn't actually get things of, of the scale we really wanted for Glastonbury because of the limitations of the sizes of what you can get on ships and then roads and all that sort of stuff so we started looking a lot closer to home and that was quite a good thing for us actually to sort of to to have done a wide search and understood what was out there and what the limitations were but then to have found something really challenging close to home and not having to have move it so far and the sort of you know the knock-on effects that that has on on the carbon side and all, all those different things it was a really good process for us so that massive thing that we dragged into the field at Glastonbury like that we had to cut that up into pieces small enough to be able to fit on the biggest truck you could get down the sort of Pilton wiggly roads <laughs> and into there and even then there was sort of we had to police escorts and stuff like that so we were sort of pushing ourselves right out to the very edges of of what we could actually physically get there we even look at looked at getting chinooks to move really you know, army chinooks wow. to sort of pick stuff up and move over there that was sort of big enough but the um, weight limits on that were a bit restrictive so that didn't so happen so you're but, beating even the uh, special forces at their own game you can't like no we haven't got anything strong enough arcade have beaten us Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
to game. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. So, I mean, it's, it must be amazing, what, you know, you're saying to your kids, I'm just going, I'm off to the office for the day. I mean, your office is a, is just this mad uh, sort of God's own scrapyard. It's, yeah, it's a bit of a melting pot, really. And we're really blessed that we've sort of um, tr- attracted a really amazing group of people that work with us. And our sort of projects are quite wild and sometimes vary and, you know, sometimes pretty mental journeys, really. But I think everyone's signed up to the idea that that's what we, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, and, um, we spent yeah. years sort of doing what people have told us you can't do. And that's, the, again, you kind of get a bit more used, used to just doing that. That's um, part of the fun. And how and how many people are working for Arcadia now? It's it's very sort of project based. Um, full time, there's around five, six of us in in the office. And then for a show like Glastonbury, we manage around five hundred people. So oh. it goes from being, you know, a small little crew of, of yeah. really kind of connected people right up to a huge kind of colossal bunch of people where we're organising the you know the, the DJs the bars the food uh, all the artists all the different things that come together and uh, yeah so it, it's it's expansive depending on what we're what we're doing that's yeah that sounds very similar to us this is a, this is us we're in an office of uh, six people and then uh, yeah come come one of the festivals and it's like hundreds thousands of people that you're you're sort of manhandling around so and did i hear that um what is it the spider's gone to china now the spider is currently sitting in our containers in Bristol. Right. Um, we went to China last year um, for New Year's Eve, and it was quite a crazy journey for us. Actually, it's quite a mad, um, quite a mad place to go and work, and um, it was it was exciting and terrifying in the same instance. And did and, they get uh, it? Did they? Did they? They did actually. Yeah, the we did a show there, and um, you know we were told all sorts of things as you do that you know they don't they don't dance they're not allowed to dance and it's very restricted and and all that sort of stuff and when we dropped the show on them we had some of the best crowd reactions that we'd ever seen i mean they were they were literally blown away people were almost sort of knocked over by the flames and uh, it was it was remarkable from a cultural point of view you know this thing that we'd built out of scrap that we'd taken to the other side of the world and we were interacting with a culture that we'd never had a chance to interact with before and we were we were taking our art there and watching that response was really amazing um, I mean, it was very it... surreal as well. I mean, they had like the army marching around in the middle of the festival, and like, I mean, it's very, very different to to what we expect in terms of people having a good time. <laughs> it's quite quite alarming, no. in a sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say it's um it's it's a kind of tricky enough thing to describe to a Glastonbury veteran or someone going to Boomtown. You know, it's kind of like on the on the outer limits of you know right okay this is what it is it's this huge metal thing that breathes fire and there's DJs on it but to take that to somewhere like China which presumably hasn't got that um, western sort of mad art sort of uh, yeah so yeah very surreal I think is probably the best best way to describe it um, but yeah, we haven't got haven't got plans to go back to China at the moment but we're sort of incubating a load of different things and for us actually focusing on Glastonbury is is a really like positive thing for us because it's um, we're really pushing a new envelope at the moment yeah um, so we're sort of looking at building um, you know a spherical semi a semi-spherical 
environment where we can move things around in the sky with that crane and completely take over the sky and use that as our wow. as our stage and um, that's a long-term project for us so this year's Glastonbury was the beginning of that journey and um, we're starting to work on next year already which will be putting things on the end of the crane and, ah. and that will all culminate into a into a sort of evolutionary journey through right. the years where we end up with with a mental mental show and <laughs> experience at the end of it so we're sort of quite quite um privileged to have some time to really focus on that at the moment yeah so that's kind of become your residency hasn't it glastonbury and i suppose um because Pangaea this year looked in, looked incredible, but it makes sense that it's going to evolve. And um, I suppose it's like when you have a building site and the first crane goes up, and then stuff starts getting built out from it. So it's kind of like that idea that it will expand. It into will grow. This. It'll evolve. And we're you know we're really excited that the people people's expectations are there, and they can come on this journey with us. Because quite a lot of art is kind of polished and presented in such a way that it's the finished thing. But for us, this this journey is part of the artistic side of, of what makes it interesting and interactive. Yeah. And we're even, you know, uh, asking the people out there if people had any harebrained ideas that they wanted to come and collaborate with us and bring to the table and the opportunity to collaborate with, with different people and bring new energy into to what we're doing. I feel like it's a really good opportunity. And I feel like, actually, I feel like Emily and Michael are really cunning in their support of that kind of thing and just that sort of you know allowing youth culture to come into this big melting pot and grow and as a, as a sort of incubation place and, and grow into really amazing things it's um it's wicked to be like working alongside that yeah yeah no they i mean they're always at the cutting edge aren't they and embracing the embracing the news that's amazing so tell us a little bit about the um you know i mean collaboration is obviously really important for you as you as you said um you know, uh, you on on all your sort of socials on your website, you're always casting out there saying, "Guys, you know, come to us with an idea, and we'll 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 embrace that." And then also your kind of green credentials, the recycling, the using kind of evil things in a in a good way. Um, is is it, do you just use biofuel? Is it the world's first biofuel? We, yeah, we um, we we developed the first the world's first biofuel flame system, which was actually a really difficult project. Um, and we did it for the Bristol Green when won the Green Capital of Europe award in 2015. So we did a big um, headline show for that, which was amazing in this sort of old Georgian Square in the middle of Bristol. And did, did a big show there, and we built this flame system for that. And um, yeah, what was what was fueling that was um, fuel that had been made from chip shop waste around Bristol, really? and it was a real opportunity for us to sort of showcase that things can be done differently because you'll see that the sort of you know where where the ecological situation meets the economic journey of the world at the moment there's some real issues when it comes to resources and, and energy you can track that back to energy being a really fundamental thing and I think for us to have an opportunity to just showcase that things can be done differently is really important for how we then go back into our everyday lives and, mm. and live things so yeah there's a big ethos behind us trying to use our opportunities to try and just just show different ways of doing things and um, we've always sort of enjoyed thinking out of the box and it's it's, it's possible for for all of us to do that in a lot of senses and um, things like that are, are great for that yeah and it's lucky bristol's got so many chip shops absolutely yeah, <laughs> <I know. laughs> keep, keep it in chips fuel your afterburner i mean I, I remember um yeah no better feeling than standing in the in the afterburner um and at that time 
didn't the controller for the actual jets? It was in there, wasn't it? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we the, could yeah. actually um, the DJ could actually go <laughs> far off these massive jets, and it was like just incredible standing in there, you know, in this in this man-made thing, kind of looking out at the crowd, going mental, and you know, just knowing that every time he fired off the jets, it was going to go going to go even more nuts. Did and you you survived us taking you up that really long thin ladder, didn't you? Yeah, on, God, onto the yeah. spider. Yeah, with the, Sorry about with that. the harness. With the harness, on yeah. And, um, that was yeah. quite, quite mental. Is, is that like a nice sort of uh, elevator now, or a sort of? Um... Yeah, it's all got walkways and things <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. But I think back I was in those days, it was a ladder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was all all part of the fun. And I, I love the fact that you um, talked um, there about you know the art of it because you know I do see festivals as as kind of art pieces and. And it's you know it's, it, so is the is your favourite bit of creating these things? Is it sitting down um, with Pip and kind of coming up with the ideas and and that sort of bit of it, or is it the building of it on site before the festival actually opens and just looking at it and going that is our creation, that's our piece of art, or is it seeing it in midnight with Fortet playing and the whole place is going mental, or you know, or is it all of those? It's all of those things and I think the real magic for us is that we you know, we create the concept which goes through to creating these these things, hard to describe what they really are. And the real magic for me comes when a crowd comes and interacts with it and you get that sort of energy and that, that magnetism and those ripples of energy going through the crowd and people are all connected in this environment. For me that's the real kind of like that that, that gives me a lot of pleasure yeah and your structures do seem to come alive when that happens don't they they and because they look a little not creepy but um, you know they look like slightly animalistic then uh, you get that feeling that yeah the, the machine is uh, is alive it comes to life it all comes to life and uh, that's the one thing that you can't rehearse <laughs> no you can't no. sort of do the theory on that really you just have to open open it up and, and see what happens yeah you, you don't know who's going to turn up it's yeah it's one of the most exciting things of doing festivals isn't it it's like who is going to come is it going to be is it going to kick off yes we've won again okay cool well um we're going to uh, wrap it up in a sec but just tell us about arcadia reach a little bit because this looks really cool you've got a non-profit set up that um so you built a fire engine for a calais refugee camp and work with carnivals and you're doing a water thing in Sierra Leone? Yeah, it's a community interest company that we set up to try and utilise the amazing array of people we've got working with us to do work that would benefit communities where we might be or or, or work. And um, it's been amazing, actually. We've run a few smaller projects through it and the thing we're working on at the moment is a well drilling rig to go down into Sierra Leone and literally go out into the jungle and put fresh water into villages where they've got you know nothing and they're drinking water out of the rivers and getting ill as a result of it and uh, that's tied in with a sustainable agriculture program which once there's water established there agriculture program comes along and and gives people seeds and shows them how to grow a nutritious range of, of food and then from that point on there's kind of the the circular economy starts and you can kind of lead, lead them to it so it's a really exciting thing for us to be using our skills that we've developed for making all these crazy things at festivals <laughs> to to go and deploy these kind of like again mad machines but with a different intent into places where they'll make a real difference so the thing we're doing at the moment is yeah raising funds for this well drilling truck which is uh, yeah it's a mission is it going to look like a spider yeah, probably not but it's <laughs> no, a pretty no, amazing no. old yeah. like fire engine that we've <laughs> We've, we've actually had for, for years and um, it was an old riot truck from 
East Berlin in its beginning and it's wow. kind of literally sort of again another bit of repurposing yeah, amazing that's going to yeah. have a whole life outside of, of the one it was intended for Wow, that is that is so inspiring. Thank you so much for coming in. And um, on your website, there is a link for people if they want to get involved and donate. And please sort of have help a look. Yeah, these things, yeah, so. we're we're really up for for donations, for skills, for you know, if people want to come and get involved. It's a real open book, and I think it will be a really uh, wonderful project to see come to fruition. Wicked. Well, good luck with it all, and um, yeah, can't wait to hear about the plans for Glasto twenty twenty and any other festivals you're doing. So yeah, thank you to Bertie from Arcadia. Thanks for having me. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate.